Verse 3. Shackled by your heavy burden Beneath the load of guilt and shame But then the hands of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same He touched me touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul tell your neighbor something Isaiah 26.3, you got it? Let's read it together, ready to read. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, Father God, thank you for your perfect peace which is available to us and given to us. Jesus said that peace he leaves with us and his peace he gives to us. This is perfect peace that you make available to us. We receive it. Thank you, Father, that we are of soundness of mind. Yes. Our minds are right. And God, you're keeping our hearts in the midst of all the things that are going around us. You are not allow us to suffer and be defeated. And you will not allow us to lose our minds. You're keeping us whole. Keeping us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed on you. Today, speak from heaven. Touch us through the word of God. Strengthen us through the word of God and let no one leave here the way they came, even bound, even oppressed, even afflicted. Let no one leave here like they came in Jesus' name. We believe it, we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Since I met that precious Savior, since he came and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it till eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something, Woo. something happened. Went to a meeting one night and something happened. On a Sunday morning, something happened. And 
sure I know who it was. Jesus. Jesus. Touch me. And he made. Shut that up. I'm trying to contain myself. <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. That must have been the hand of the Lord. <laughs> I was going down for the last time, but somebody touched me. Ooh, about to lose my mind, but somebody touched me. Praise God. Let's get into the word of God today. The Bible says that he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. Today we're continuing our series. We began uh, many series, I, I think it is, on mental wellness. So today we're talking about mental breakdown, mental breakdown. Can you say amen? amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all better get off that music for praise. You better stop that. Amen. We talked about how last Sunday how Satan has unleashed uh, something really strong throughout the earth. Hallelujah. Something much bigger and more dangerous than COVID-19. That's not the biggest thing in the earth. In fact, that's not the biggest thing Satan has released. What he's released in the earth is the spirit of fear. Can you say amen? amen. And I told you how he's using mass media, how he's using mass communication to propagate his lies and his agenda and his fear tactics and people are living in fear like never before. And uh, I told you some things about fear. I want to remind you of this. Uh, I'll get to this in a minute. B because I, I want to I show you what he's doing. Because he's using all his resources. Okay? In Ephesians 2.2, 2, Paul said about Satan, he said, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's a spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, which means he's in, these, he's in the air around as the prince of the power. Of the, that word air is atmosphere, so Satan's in the atmosphere. But he's using the airways. He's using uh, mass media to push his, his, his uh, fear on everybody. He makes sure everybody hears the worst numbers you can. They're not even real numbers, not even true numbers. But people hear those numbers and they panic, they freak out. Because they hear these numbers and people are more, are more in tune with, with what the CD says than what the word of God says. Hallelujah. And fear is just, it's just pulling people down. Now it says, again, Ephesians 2.2, he's the prince of the power of the air. Now Jesus said, it says in John 14.30, Jesus says that Satan is the ruler of the world. The ruler of this world. Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world. Amplified Bible says, says it this way. He's the prince or the evil genius of this world. So Satan is an evil genius. There's one thing to be a genius. But when you're an evil genius, that means you use all your genius to produce evil. And he's a genius. He's good at what he does. And he's pushing his agenda, and he's got people freaked out. But something else you just said, when you read back in, in, uh, in John 14.30, he said, but he has no power, he has, he has nothing in me. Amplified says, he has no power over me. See, when you know who you are, 
when you know whose you are, when you know what you have on the inside of you, then no matter what the devil introduces, no matter what he unleashes, you know he has no power over you. That's why I'm not afraid. Pastor, you ain't scared of COVID? No. You ain't scared of cancer? No. You ain't scared of diabetes? No. He has no power over me. You ain't scared of murder? No. He has no power over me. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. See? So he has nothing in me. I've not given him anything to attach to me. I don't live in sin. If I live in sin, then I give him a connection point with me. So since I don't live in sin, he has nothing to connect with me. You got it? So, but he is out there. And he's doing some big things in the world, okay? Now, I told you last week that fear is powerful. It's dangerous and it's deadly. I, I gave you three things. I told you fear, it'll keep you out of heaven. Can you say amen? amen. You remember this from last week? It'll keep you out of, out of heaven. Revelation uh, 21.8, King James talks about the fearful and unbelieving and so forth. They'll have their part in the lake which burns with fire. So people who are fearful, stuck in fear, you can't make the heaven like that. Oh, man, y'all don't like that. Well, Pastor, I'm scared of a few things. I'm not talking about scared of a few things. I, we can deal with that, too. But I'm talking about fearful as a lifestyle. When you've let the spirit of fear, now, see, you, when you're fearful, okay, Jesus said to, to the disciples when they were out on that boat and the boat was tossed and they got all scared. Jesus was asleep on the pillow and they woke him up. Jesus, are you going to do something about this? And he said to the guys, he says, hey guys, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, faith pleases God, Hebrews 11 verse 6. So if you're fearful, you have no faith. You can't get to heaven without faith. Y'all not saying anything. So if you're fearful, you have Jesus in Jesus' own words, you have no faith. Well, I have faith. No, no, not if you're fearful. You, they can't coexist. Jesus said to Peter when Peter was walking on the water and Peter saw the, saw the waves and started sinking, he said to Peter, he said, Peter, uh, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So Peter had a limited amount or limited persistence of faith, and what he had was doubt. But contrast that with fearful and no faith. So fear will keep you out of heaven. If you let fear dominate your life, it'll keep you out of heaven. A lot of folk been in church think they're going to heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. I told you this, fear will, keep, fear will make you lose your mind. Now I'm going to deal with that here in a moment. And then number three, I told you fear will even kill you. So your neighbor, fear will kill you. Luke 21, verse 26, Jesus said that men's hearts fell them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's what's happening right now. What we're seeing right now is the powers of the heavens are being shaken. There's something going on in the, in the spiritual realm that we're seeing a battle going on. God is releasing his forces in the earth. At the same time, the devil is, is releasing his force, forces in, in, in an unparalleled measure before now because he knows his time is short. So Satan is turned, uh, as the kids say, he turned up. They, they used to say, they don't probably say that no more. I'm, I'm, I'm probably behind. They still say it, or they don't say it. You said they said, your daughter said they don't turn, they, see there. 
I told you, you behind too. So, <laughs> so when fear is out there, it's, something's happening out here, and people, it says men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of things that are coming on the earth. So fear will kill you. All right, I, I got to move on because I, I got to get into this today. Okay, now, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Because it tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear or the spirit of fear. You know, there's a spirit of faith. You can have faith, but there's also the spirit of faith. So if there's fear, there's also must be the spirit of fear. This isn't you operating in a little bit of fear. This isn't you like you just, I, you know, I saw a spider and I eat. Uh, I, was, I was over in my office working the other day. Uh, what was that? Friday, I guess I was here. What, what, Thursday? No, Friday morning. I'm here and I'm working in my office. All of a sudden I hear, ah! And boom, 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 boom. I don't know what's going on. And I didn't move. I'm working. I'm working on today's message. I'm typing and studying everything. I'm like, well, praise God. All of a sudden, I get a call. Pastor, pastor, what? So what? Can, can you come to the building too? Says, Why? It's a snake. In the building? In the building. I go over there, and there's two grown women. Grown women. It's right there. So, I, I mean, it's right there under, under the, like the threshold of the door. So, I, I walk in the room and I turn around, I look, I look for the snake, and I see this little tail. It's like, oh. I said, Well, wait, wait. Hold on. I said, Like, how long was the snake? Like, that long? They, they was like, Well, maybe. It was skinny. It was so skinny. They said it went underneath underneath the little door frame. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I can't fit in the door frame. I can't get it. So what I did, I went and got, we had we all, you know the little lighters, you the big lighters when you light your barbecue. I went and got one of those because the tail was still sticking out. As I tried to light his tail, because I, I know I know the devil hates fire. <laughs> And it ran on, it's up in the wall somewhere, it'll die. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the spirit of fear controls your life, you, you get paralyzed. Some of you should be launched out further in business than you are, but you're paralyzed. Some of you should be back in school, but you're paralyzed. Some of you should be married, but you're paralyzed. So notice again, he's, he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, Power come on. Power. Love and of what? So notice on, on the opposite sides of the equation, you have spirit of fear. On the other side is power, love, and a sound mind. So you cannot have power, nor love, nor a sound mind if their spirit of fear is operating. Now, I went through all that last Sunday. I don't have time to go through that, Okay. 
because we're focusing today on a sound mind. So you can't have a sound mind when fear is dominating, dominating your life. Y'all got it? Now, I want to show you this because this is, this is big. I told you, you know, this is one of the biggest issues in America right now. Beyond COVID is, is mental wellness. This is one of the things that they're really, really having to deal with. In fact, uh, I, we, we receive a correspondence from the company that we use for our phone services here in the church. And uh, I, I, I copied down uh, part of what they sent to us. They can put it on the screen for us to read. They, they said this. This is the email we received. In response to increasing national concern over the national suicide rate, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, has adopted 988 as a new number to connect calls to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in the U.S. So, we, you know, we have 911. You have 211. Now, they're saying the suicide epidemic is so big in America they now have a dedicated phone number for it. Now, you don't need, need to try to remember 1-800-2-3-whatever. It's just you dial 998 from any phone, and you can get through to this line. I mean, and they sent us this because what this does for us, I think immediately, we have to now change how we dial. And so you'll probably get these same notices from your phone, your cell phone companies, your home phone companies, that from now on, we're going to have to dial 10-digit phone numbers. You know, we've been used to in your local calls, you dial just seven digits. From now on, we'll have to dial 10 digits in order for this to work properly. So when you're wondering why I got to dial 10 digits now, it's because suicide, the suicide rate is so high in America. See, people get the reports about COVID infections, COVID deaths, but they're not getting the reports about suicide. We've lost more to suicide than to actual COVID deaths. You know what I, mean? you know what I say? Actual. Because 60 plus percent of those deaths, deaths they're calling COVID, they admit aren't actually COVID. But suicides, you can't deny that. So much so that here in Florida, state of Florida, we just spent I don't know how many millions of dollars to put now a steel barrier on the beautiful Skyway Bridge because the Skyway Bridge has been such a, a place for people to commit suicide. Why? Do people commit suicide? They don't start at suicide. See, some of y'all are saying, well, I ain't, I'm not suicidal. It doesn't start out as suicidal thoughts. See, I want to catch folk before you even get to suicidal thoughts. I want to catch you before you get to a place where you even start to think about it. I've been there. I was never at a place where I, I planned on committing suicide, but I had days that I told God, I said, God, I'd rather not wake up in the morning. Now, you don't have to put your hand up. Don't put your hand up. But if you've just been there, just blink, blink. Like, I've been there. I've been there. Well, Lord, it's all right if I don't get up tomorrow. And in the church, we don't talk about it much. But there's a reason why God stuck into his word, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on me. 
because people get there. Because suicide is even happening in the church, even happening in the clergy. But it doesn't start that way. It starts out as fear. Starts out as worry. Starts out as expectation of those things that are coming. Oh boy. Can y'all stick with me today? People are suffering mental breakdowns. That's what I'm talking about today. Mental breakdowns. People's heads are swirling, their hearts are troubled. Jesus said in John 14 27, He said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See? He told us, He said, I leave you my peace. My peace I give to you. That is the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Remember, people's hearts fail them for fear. So don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it, your heart, be afraid. So mental breakdowns. So today, that's what I'm going to deal with. Most of y'all have never experienced a mental breakdown, but it happens. <laughs> and I say mental breakdown, I don't just mean like you had a rough day. I mean a mental breakdown where you melted. You, 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 you lost it. I'm not talking about you got angry. I'm not talking about you were crying. I'm not talking about you had a rough day and went and got you a you know, pint of uh, Haagen-Dazs or, you know, got you a little it was wine bottle. Or I'm not, I don't mean that. I'm talking about where you lost your mind. Where you literally snapped. So let's break down this mental breakdown. So let's break it down. The first word in the word mental is me. Title's mental breakdown. I'm breaking down mental. The first word in mental is me. Because I have news for you. That's the root of your issues. Pastor, you just botching a word. You just making it up. Well, I'm, yeah, I am. I am. I am playing on words. But I can clearly look at the word mental and see the word me in there. What's the second word? I'll deal with that later. Because your problem ain't other people first. Your problem is you. I got issues. You're right. It's you. Tell your neighbor all your issues is you. If we, if we can get you straightened out. See, see, in, in the, the popular church culture, People want to preach about your haters, your haters, and your haters, and all the folk who, who, who hating on you. Haters are not your issue. And what they've done in this modern church preaching is they, they've, they've allowed people to excuse their own behavior, excuse their own issues, and blame all their problems on somebody else, and nobody's taking responsibility for their own actions. Not in this church. I'm going to show you you. I'm going to put a mirror of the word in your face so you can see you. I'm so glad we I went into the restroom today, the men's restroom, and there's this full-length mirror, and I said, wow. 
That's great. Guys, did y'all see that? We got a full-length mirror in there. That's great. The women have always had that kind of thing. And now we got a full-length mirror. We can. That's great. I, I, walked, I told the deacons, now there's no excuse. You can see yourself head to toe and know you look a mess. Fix that mess up. And that's what the word of God is for us. It is a full length, full width, full depth mirror for us. It's a 3D mirror for you and me to look into the word of God and see where I have erred. That's what Job said. Job, Job, Job said, you know, Job, you know, most people don't read anything between Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 42. But in between, Job said, Lord, show me where I have erred. Y'all listening up to this? Show me where I have erred. Job didn't want to sit there and blame all his issues on other people. He said, show me where I have erred. Has anybody here ever erred? That's, it was not A-I-R-E-D, it's E-R-R-E-D. Show me where I made mistakes. Show me the errors of my ways. He said, the predicament I'm in is, is somewhere I missed it. So the first word in mental is me. So I got to deal with me. If I don't make sure I don't lose my mind. Matter of fact, let me throw that in while it's, while it's on, my, on my head, in my head here, is we got to change our speech. In fact, in fact, one thing that, that Job said in that same passage was to show me how to, how to straighten my tongue out because I've spoken wrong. He realized that. I've spoken wrong. And one of the things the devil will get us to do is speak things wrong. He'll have us singing songs like, y'all going to make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. Y'all gonna make me act a fool up in here, right? Y'all remember that? Come on now, y'all act like you don't remember. Y'all was saying, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. And mamas yell at their kids, you, 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 you gonna make me lose my mind. Your words. By your words you shall be justified. By your words you shall be condemned. So just as a free note there, just got to make sure we straighten our words out. Bottom line, the issue is me. Not, not how much pressure's in the world. You don't realize it's hard. It's hard to be a single mama. You ain't the only single mama in the planet. Well, it's hard to be a black man. You are not the first black man to ever walk this planet, cuz. I mean, what are the other things that we want to label ourselves and give ourselves a way out? It's hard being this. the first person. I won't be the last person. Most folk didn't lose their minds. So if, I, if I'm in a, this situation, I got to say, well, wait a minute. What's the issue with me? 
Okay, okay let's deal with this. Let's, let's, let's break this down here. Because remember, this, <laughs> there are people who have lost their minds before in, in, in history. There are people who have just, I mean, they've lost it. They've, they've, they've became so de- overwhelmingly depressed that they even, even uh, took their lives. That's happened before. But why is it that now it's such a major thing I mean, it's the same devil. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So it can't be the devil. And it can't be what's in the earth. It's got to be something that's changed inside people. Oh, boy. Look at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to show you the root of the issue right here. What leads to people having mental breakdowns. Why it's so different today than it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Look at this, verse 1. But know this, that in the what days? The last days... Perilous times will come. Now then look at verse 2 and see the first and the primary marker, the first and the primary indicator of the last days. For men will be lovers of themselves. Bam, that's it. Remember the first word in mental is? So what has Cause a serious major surge. They keep using the word surge when it comes to COVID. But nobody's talking about the surge in depression and the surge in people. I heard about the other day, the surge of people that are on antidepressant medications. The surge in suicide. What's this surge about all over the world that's different than 100 years ago? It's because... He said in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. Boy, this is it. This is it. This, this, is, this is what we can label as narcissism. We live among the most narcissistic, vain society that's ever walked this planet. This insatiable lust for yourself. This, it's about me. (laughs) Glory to God. This, it's your thing, do what you want to do. Remember that came out several years, many years ago? It's your thing, do what you want to do. I can't tell. No, you can't. Okay. What happens when you're a lover of self, you only think about self. You become first and foremost. Dog eat dog. It's all about me. Me first, other people after. And the Bible made this marker to us by the Holy Ghost that in the last days, what kind of times will come? Perilous, dangerous times will come. 
And the mark of the dangerous times, what makes the times perilous, is that men have become lovers of themselves. And when you're lovers of yourself, you, you think, about other, think about yourself before anybody else, which means that's why a man will murder somebody else to protect him, his, his own interests. That's why somebody will rob you and take your car and take what you worked hard for and take, take what you spent all your money on, and they'll come in and take it because all they're thinking about is themselves. Men. Now, let me just throw this in for all the ladies because this is not gender specific. This is mankind. Because I've seen women just look straight ahead. Women who just, they love themselves. And in fact, you know when you read in Galatians 5.22 about the fruit of the Spirit, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, against such there's no law. Really, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. All the other named fruits, fruit are part of or the offshoot of love. So we look here in, in 2 Timothy 3, and it says perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. All the other indicators are an offshoot or the byproduct of loving yourself. Oh, I wish I had some amens in this morning. The first word in mental is me. So narcissism here, this lovers of self, this vanity. No, it's all right to look good. Tell your neighbor, it's all right to look good. Tell them you should look good. Matter of fact, tell them you can do better. You can do better. You can do better. But when there comes this overwhelming drive, that your checkbook tells on you. Your time, your calendar tells on you. The breakdown of other fellowships and associations tells, tell on you. That now you're so into yourself. Everything you invest is about you. No, no, no I'm not talking about any of y'all in this church because none of y'all are like this, right? I'm talking about people in the world. I'm explaining what's going on with them. I don't know why I got so depressed. Me. You, you started loving yourself. I lost my joy. I used to have joy. When I first got born again, I lost it because you started loving yourself. I said, that's, that's not possible. Yes, it is. You start coming up. Came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad. I found him a resting place. He's made me glad. Now all of a sudden you got your little gladness, got your little joy. You start coming up a little bit. You start feeling yourself like we say about teens. You start smelling yourself a little bit. All of a sudden now God doesn't get your time. I'm going to turn this way. All of a sudden now God doesn't get your time. He used to pray, he used to fast, he used to spend time in the Word, he used to praise God, but now God doesn't get that time. Only you get that time. What happened? You started loving yourself. 
And when you get that way, your mind is no longer stayed on him. Your mind is on you. Can y'all handle this today? Y'all don't, don't, don't beat me up. Don't beat me up. Don't beat me up. I love myself some me. I know it. I see it on people's t-shirts. I love myself some me. I love me. Well, you have to love you. I mean, the commandment is to love your neighbors even as yourself. So you have to love you. Nothing wrong with loving you. But I, okay. I'm going to say this as, as plain as I can. I love all of y'all. But none of y'all are my lover. I have one lover. She's out of town today. My lover is out of town. Now, I love my kids, but I have one lover. Oh, Jesus. There are people you dated before. People you married before and you loved them. That's because you broke up don't mean you necessarily stopped loving them. Because if they were on the side of the road stranded, you call a tow truck. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Like, uh, but you only have one lover. So notice it, it didn't say for men will love themselves. He didn't say for men will love themselves. It said men will be lovers of themselves. You intimate with you. You out here to satisfy and gratify you. And when that becomes the case, you're on a steep, slippery slope down into depression. Because you're trying to bring yourself joy and bring yourself peace and bring yourself happiness. I just want to be happy. Boom, 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 boom. And now I just, you want to be happy, and I'm happy being me. And, I'm, and now you're, these, these, these gospel songs that are out there that are soothing the lover of ourselves nature. Soulish music that's in, in Christendom. That don't focus our hearts and minds on God, it focuses our hearts and minds on ourselves. And it's been indoctrinating even in the church, teaching the church. Because this, you know, these are church folk, right? Talking about this. You keep reading down through this chapter, he's gonna say here, he said, these are people they, they in the church, they in the house. But what happened, these people they, they were loving God, but all of a sudden they start being lovers of themselves. Ooh, hoo, 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 hoo. Oh Lord. Then he says, look at, look at, I'm, I'm still in here. Because this, this, is, this is the issue now, what's leading people down to, into depression. Covetousness. 
In your New King James, it says lovers of money. King James says covetousness. What is that? It's, remember, you love yourself now. That's the reason. There's now this insatiable desire for more. I can never have enough. I'm not, I'm not satisfied. People, you got one iPhone. Then the new 18 comes out. What are they on now? 27? What was 12? 12. The new, the new 12 comes out. And now you're feeling some, some way, some kind of way, because somebody else came and they had the what, what, what's the first one came out? They had the, the three cameras on the back. That was 11. Boy, people, that came out. People was like, oh my God. Now kids depressed because they don't have the newest one. And then the adults start getting depressed because they don't have the newest one. Now they ain't maximize the one they have. They don't know how to do nothing, nothing more to make a phone call, text. And when it starts ringing in church, you don't know how to turn it off. Phone be all ringing. <laughs> phone just ringing all in church. One of the kids got to come turn your phone off for you. Here you are depressed because you ain't got the latest one. First of all, learn on and off on the one you have. That's what you do for me. Leave that mess in the car. Insatiable desire for more stuff. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Does God want you to have stuff? Yes. In fact, put up 1 Timothy 6, 17. Put up 1 Timothy 6, 17. Glory to God. Watch this here. Command those who are rich in this present age so we, we can be rich, can't we? God wants you rich. Tell your neighbor, God wants you rich. But he said, don't be haughty. Don't trust in your uncertain riches, but keep trusting in the living God who gives us all the iPhones and all the belts and all the hats and all the shoes and every, all the things we could possibly want and more. God does not have a problem with you having all the finest, nicest things in the world. He doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter to God if you had three closets full of stuff. He doesn't, he doesn't care about that. What he doesn't want is for the three closets to have you. Get a seven-car garage. Fill all of them up. God doesn't mind. Y'all got quiet. God doesn't mind. Y'all still ain't like me. I said God doesn't mind. He'll help you. He'll fill them up. But don't let it be when they fill up that all of a sudden now you start loving the stuff and forgetting about him. See, trust in him who richly gives all things to enjoy. See? But when you become a lover of yourself, lover of yourself, not just love yourself, lover of yourself, you'll start loving money or loving what money can do. Covetousness starts to creep in, and all of a sudden you develop this insatiable desire for more stuff. Put up a Psalm number. <laughs> I gave you this scripture. Psalm number four, verse six through eight. Go right to the Message Bible. Now, y'all don't have the Message Bible, so they'll, they'll put it on the screen for us. Psalm four, verse six through eight in the Message. Watch what it says here. It says, y'all see it? It says, why is everyone hungry for more? 
More, more, they say. More, more. That sound like anybody you know. I have God's more than enough. More joy, keep going, in one ordinary day than they get in all their shopping sprees. Y'all are real quiet on that. I have more joy in one day than they get in all their shopping sprees. I know y'all don't mind shopping sprees. Matter of fact, how many of y'all would mind having a shopping spree tomorrow? Be it unto you, shopping spree tomorrow. You know what a spree is, a shopping spree? Not a shopping trip, a shopping spree? A shopping spree is you shop till you drop. Everybody ought to experience a shopping spree once in, you know, a few times in your life. Where you just go in any store you want to and say, I'll take that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one. But that's not where the source of your joy is supposed to be. I have more joy in one day than they get in all the shopping sprees at day's end. At the end of the day, I'm ready for sound sleep. For you, God, have put my life back together. So shopping sprees may bring you temporary happiness. And they do. Some, some people use shopping as therapy. That's, you need to be delivered. That's what Psalm 34, 19 says. Many are the officials of the righteous, but the Lord delivers you out of the mall. You need to get out of the mall sometimes. Out of the mall. Okay, anyway, that's a little side joke. So, you see I just moved the M over to the mall. Okay, okay. so anyway. <laughs> but a shopping spree cannot be the source of your joy. Getting the next, biggest, greatest, latest, it's not going to fix it. But what the culture has done through mass media, mass marketing, has sold you in, you all commercials, if you don't have this, you're not in the in crowd. You're not cool if you don't have this. And we get inundated with those kind of thoughts, those kind of ideas, those kind of pictures, and don't understand what we're doing is we're now starting to become lovers of ourselves. And what happens when you can't get that? You start, what's wrong? Nothing. Wives do it to husbands. What's wrong? Nothing. Husbands do it to wives. What's wrong? Nothing. Remember Jezebel? Ahab? Abraham sitting in the house all sulking. And Jezebel said, what's wrong with you? I want that vineyard over there. He won't sell me his vineyard. She said, I'll get it for you. You will, honey. Yeah, I'll get it. She went out and got it. All right. I mean, Delilah did it to Samson. Anyway, okay. Put up Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9 in the Living Bible. Ecclesiastes 6, verse 9 in the Living Bible. Whoa. Where's all the time going? Oh, Lord. 
Man, man, man. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Okay. Look at this. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Anybody ever heard that? Yes. Mere dreaming of nice things is foolish. It's chasing the wind. Put it back in New King James. Everybody get it. Put it back in New King James. Because you, you hear what, he, what he's saying. Better is the sight of the eyes, in other words, what you can see right now, what you already have, than the wandering of desire. Desire will have you all <sighs> trying to find it. Instead of you sleeping, you all online shopping, looking, trying to find it. Broken debt, trying to make it happen. Then the bills come, and now you're depressed about the bill. <laughs> See, it's all an evil plot by the enemy to get you and me into some point where we're going to break down mentally. Let me keep going. Let me keep going here because I'm, I'm way past time. Back in um, 2 Timothy 3, it's going through this list of lovers of self, lovers of money. I'm going to drop down to where he says here, boasters, proud, boasters and proud. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, that we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And when you're boastful and proud, you begin to think more highly than you ought to think. What you're doing is you're promoting yourself. And what you're doing by that is you are moving God off the throne of your heart and replacing him with you. Now, you were not designed to live like that. You were not designed to be the, on the throne of your heart. You were designed to worship God. We were created to worship God. But what the devil does is get us to begin to worship ourselves. Boastful. Proud. Y'all send this. That's what all the selfies is all about. Y'all was real quiet. I got one yes on that. Don't worry, I'm not on Facebook, not on Instagram, not on Twitter. I don't know about your stuff. Don't really care. But that's what it's all about. I mean, I remember, I remember I, you know, I used to have a flip phone back in the day. You know, we used to have a, back in the prime code days, you had the big old phone. I mean, I remember the days I didn't have one. My brother had the one big old box you carry. You carry a big old box phone. Remember that joke? Big old box phone. Put it in the car. Car phone. It was actually a car phone. I remember that. Then we got the little, you know, the little prime coat. Then they moved down to the little flip phone. You know, we got it. Now, now, now the phone, you, you, you see an ad for a phone, they don't talk about the phone. They talk about the cameras. Right, right, right. Every ad is all they talk about is the camera. And what they really want to talk about is the front camera, the front-facing camera. Have you noticed that? Why do they spend so much time talking about the front-facing camera? It's because you see people doing it. I've seen enough duck faces from all these girls. 
Let's look at every, every selfie. Have y'all seen it? And they put on the brightest lipstick or the bright, I mean, Vaseline, whatever it is. I know they're doing it. Looking like Wandolph in living color. <laughs> Remember Jamie Foxx? He used to play Wanda. What is all that? What is all that? What is all that? You go, you go to a restaurant and got you your plate. kids. My kids, we can be anywhere. Hey, you, you let Golden Hour come? Y'all know what Golden Hour is? Some of y'all don't know? Golden Hour is that hour when the sun is like in the right, the perfect spot. The lighting is perfect. My kids, we can be in front of Culver's and we can be at Taco Bell. Be in the car. My son got to do a little light skin face. You know, I, all that kind of crazy stuff. Proverbs 16 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. Come on, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Let me keep going. I got to keep going because he says back in 2 Timothy 3, he says, not only will they be boastful and, boastful and proud, blasphemous, so on and so forth. I want to go to verse 3. He says the first thing in verse 3 is unloving. King James used the phrase without natural affection. Without natural affection. What's, what's happening? Because people are so in love with themselves they don't give out love. That, that's why we see this epidemic of parents murdering their own children. Children murdering their parents. People, see, when you become uh, inwardly focused, you, you, stop, you, you don't have the ability now to give what we would call natural affection. It's natural for a mother to love her children. Now mothers don't even want to borrow their children. Baby being born, it used to be they take the baby and put the baby right on the mother's breast. So the, I mean, now I don't want that. What, what's wrong with you? It's natural affection. Dogs do that. Horses do that. Goats do that. Pigs do that. As soon as that little piglet is born, boom, it goes, knows right where to go. And now mamas don't want to do this. That's natural. It's natural affection. That connection that God gave, not only to nourish the child, but to create a bond that allows you, oh my God, the Bible calls God, one of his names is El Shaddai. We know it's the all-sufficient one, but one of the translations of El Shaddai is the breasted one. 
Now don't, don't, don't think crazy here. But when it says God is the breasted one, what it means is you and I are meant to, to, to be sustained and sourced by God. He has all the supply that you and I need. God made us so he could release love to us. For God so loved the world. But when you start loving yourself, you cannot give love. And you don't give love, you only want to receive love, and you're going to heap it on yourself. If nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to love on me. What happens is that is not the way he designed us so there will always be a deficiency in our souls. And that deficiency in our souls is what leads to mental breakdown. Before you know it, now I'm, I'm depressed. I'm just, I'm just feeling <sighs> melancholy. I'm feeling Blah. Why? Because you've been focused on you so long. Just, just can't, can't find joy. That's because you've been trying to bring your own joy to you for so long. One of the best ways to go and rekindle your joy is to start giving to people. Start blessing people. Start investing in other people. Start helping somebody else. Take all the light and the focus and the attention of you for once and start putting on somebody else and you'll find yourself all of a sudden resurging in joy and peace and happiness and fulfillment. Why? Because that's how God designed us. Are oh, you hearing me this morning? Man, okay, all right, let me, let me quit. Let me shut this down. Okay, last one I want to show you here is he showed, he said headstrong, headstrong, haughty, headstrong and haughty. Now, that is you all of a sudden, you're in charge because you think you're more than you are, than you are but I have news for you, you're not God. Help me out tell you that, but you're not God. You're like God but you're not God. I mean, you are God's child, but you are not God. You can't do what God can do for you. And the problem is, when you start thinking you can do what God can do, God just... I'm going to let you do it, because I, I can't... I can't you, both of us can't drive the car. You've never seen any car where it's two people in the driver's seat. See, it's got to be one person in the driver's seat. And that's got to be God. That's what the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. Well, I think I understand. It don't matter if you understand. Don't lean to your own understanding. It doesn't matter if you're smart. It doesn't matter if you're educated. It doesn't matter if
if you're intellectual. Don't lean to your own understanding. He goes on, verse 6, and says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct up your path. Why do I feel like I do? Because you've been in charge. And as soon as you come out off your high horse, as soon as you abdicate the throne of your life, say, God, you are king. You are Lord. You are God. You are guide. You are in charge of my life. You can come on with this piece. Okay. Let me show you this in spades here and then real quick. Thank you, Lord. I didn't mean to be this long. Let me show you one, one place here. In Daniel 4. Daniel is one of the prophets here, one of the major prophets. So go to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Can you find Isaiah? <laughs> I told y'all to start Isaiah. Like, I don't know where Isaiah is. <laughs> okay. It's like, like try the middle of your Bible. Daniel, chapter 4. Everything I've just talked about, we see it. Y'all right. come back next Sunday. I'm, I'll finish this. It's Wednesday I'm teaching on seasons. Is that good? We get a good start on Wednesday night? You got you to know what season you're in. Boy. We, and I, I went through Wednesday night some of the rough seasons. I'm going to show you some other seasons about to come. Wednesday night. But look at this in Daniel 4. I'm going to begin reading at verse uh, 18. Verse 18. This is about a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And he was a king of Babylon over the Babylonian Empire. And the children of Judah, the Jews, were there. And they were uh, in bondage 70 years. Okay? Now let's look at what this says here. Daniel 4, verse 18. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, now that is who we know as Daniel. Okay? But he's calling him by a Babylonian name. He says, I declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Now, this is, is four after three or not? Four always comes after three, generally, right? I know they got some new math today, but generally four after three. Now, remember in chapter three, Deacon Robert, the Hebrew boys, we know them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which that's, that's actually their Babylonian names, too. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember that? And God delivered them. And Nebuchadnezzar who threw them in, he ended up saying, your God is the real God. Now, chapter 4, he's, he's, he's gone back in his mind, and he has reassumed the throne of his own life. In the next chapter, verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. 
Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Verse 20, watch this. The tree that you saw, in the, so he's describing the king's dream. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong. Now, for sake of time, I'm going to drop down to verse 22, okay? You can read those verses on your own time. So the tree that you saw and became, that grew and became strong, it is you, O king. You're that tree who have grown and become strong for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. So Nebuchadnezzar, you're a big man. 23. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave it stumping roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and, a, and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times, or we could say seven years, pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. Verse 25, y'all ready for this? They shall drive you from men, your dwelling place, this is the king of Babylon, shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over you. In other words, what the, king, what the king is being told by Daniel from God is, you're about to lose your mind. You're about, oh, y'all miss it. You're about to lose your mind. Glory to God. Now, he says, now watch the end of this verse. Till or until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. So he's saying, King, you think you all that. And God's going to let you know that you ain't the biggest man in the universe. That it can't be all about you. God is bigger than you. Tell your neighbor, God is bigger than you. And you might have your throne, king, but there is a God whose throne is above your throne. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 19, that God has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So he said, you're going to lose your mind until you know that God is bigger and God is greater. Y'all got this here. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump in the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you. And after you come to know that heaven rules, after you come, after you come back to your senses. Therefore, king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous. Or being righteous, he says, change your sin by becoming righteous. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. So obviously he wasn't doing that. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Y'all got it? I'm going to keep going here. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months or a year later. Now, he has a dream. Daniel interprets the dream. Prophesies what's going to happen. But a year passed. See, just because judgment is not ex executed speedily, 
don't think you can get away with it just because nothing breaks down right now. Because the whole year passes, and somehow in Nebuchadnezzar's mind, he's forgotten about that. He thought maybe, maybe God must have changed his mind. Because he didn't, still didn't come off his high horse, D. At the end of 12 months, glory to God, where are my place? Verse 29. The, the, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, this is a year later, saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? He's puffing himself up. He's exalting himself. Verse 31. While the word was still in the king's mouth, while he's still talking what he's talking, while he's bragging how he's bragging, while he's giving all his big talk, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever you choose. In other words, the voice said, you thought I forgot, didn't you? Oh, you, you, you thought I forgot what I had said? I gave you a dream to warn you, and I gave my man the interpretation to warn you. And you still talking like that? Verse 33. That very hour, after a year, the words fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like his like oxen. Can you I want you to see this? I want you to see this king. Majestic. Now he's driven. Driven mad from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till his hair, remember he had a he had his personal barber. His hair had grown like eagles' feathers all over his body, and his nails. I mean, can you imagine the manicures he was getting? Nails like birds' claws. He lost his mind. He had a mental breakdown. Now, can you imagine all his staff? All his constituents, all his subjects. Look at the king out there. Y'all, Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. The people I know, I've grown up with them and seen them, and you see them today, and look at them. They, they lost their mind. Wandering the streets. What? You think, they, they must have got on some, some stuff, some bad stuff. It wasn't always bad stuff. Mental breakdown. Now watch this, verse 34. Watch this. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And watch what happened. You want to write these, uh, underline these words. My understanding returned to me. See, this wasn't just him upset, Chris. He lost understanding. And he said, not only that, and I, uh, well, I'll show you down later. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. So when you lose your mind, when you, when you have a mental breakdown, you lose your understanding. You, you lose rationality. 
Now he starts praising God for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, his kingdom from, from generation to generation, verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven. I mean, he's glorifying God now. No one can strain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Verse 36, at the same time, my reason, that's all the part I wanted you to see. So he lost understanding and he lost his reason. His ability to reason, to rationalize things. He became irrational. Have you noticed anybody around you starting to become irrational in their thinking? When they become irrational, they start to have erratic behavior. They're on the verge of a breakdown. It's very, it's very close to them just losing it. Well, what happened? We can trace it all back to me. Hear that? Hear that you hear the cell phone? You hear the cell phone? I told you. I told you. You hear the cell phone? Somebody's cell phone going on? They're like, what I, what I do? <laughs> That's a perfect example of what I was telling you all about. That couldn't have been timed any better. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of the kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and, my, and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now watch 37. Watch 37. This is where you got to get to. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise I learned my lesson. I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth, glory to God, and his ways, justice, and those who walk in pride, he is able. He said, that's it for me. No more me. From now on, God, you're in charge. From now on, God, I acknowledge you. I get off of my own throne. So if you find yourself down this track towards, now I don't think, I know none of y'all have already had a mental breakdown in, ter in terms of you're not in that place now. But if you realize, boy, I'm kind of slipping. What's the issue? It's not the pressure of the world. If that was the case, every one of us would be like that. It's the pressure that's coming against you on your throne. Because the same pressure with God on your throne, untouchable. The same trials, the same tribulations with God on your throne, I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I mean, you, you, just, you just, okay, God is in charge. But if there's this, ooh, overwhelming, it's because something's happened and you got off, you let, you put God off the throne and put yourself on the throne. I don't want anybody to have to go through what Nebuchadnezzar went through. See his end result. No, you know what? God, you back on the throne. Because I can't afford to lose my mind. I have people depending on me. Y'all hear me, parents? You can't lose your mind. 
Who, who gonna cut the grits if you lose your mind? These kids don't know how to make a hot dog. Right? What they gonna do? You can't lose your mind. Stand to your feet. Man, man, man. Now again, I know in this series, I'm not, ain't a bunch of shouting and money throwing, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's never my goal. But my goal here is very specific. It's to not let the people of God be swept up with the current of mental issues and mental depravity that people are finding themselves in. And it's serious. I told you last week, there are churches that spent whole months dealing on mental wellness, mental illness, and they bringing in counselors and therapists and, you know, recommending people get, you know, medications. And I told you last week what medications do when you get medication for mental issues, for depression. Satan can't cast out Satan. People take, you know, antidepressants and one of the side effects is depression and suicidal thoughts. Well, I thought that's why I was taking this mess. Tamara testified, told me the other, the other day about that, how years ago, probably when you first came to this church, you were on the antidepressants and all that kind of stuff. Three different types, you said, right? About to start prosing. You were on what? What were you already on? Zoloft? Paxil? Maxed out on Paxil. They, they couldn't give you any more Paxil. In other words, that's the top of the line they can give you. Then you went to Zoloft. About to start Prozac. But you had arrived at this church and the word of God began to in your heart. How many of those are on today? How many of you down to zero? Of course. I knew that already. I just wanted you to say that. Zero. Because you realize you don't need that. His word is medicine. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And he said in his word, Isaiah 26.3, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is set on me. Think on things that are lovely, things that are true, things that are honest, things that are of good report. If there be any virtue or any praise, think on these things. You know, I'm glad. You know, I know I didn't embarrass Tamara. Tamara's a very um, transparent person as well. Um, but there may be other people who say, sitting right up in here. And I'm on this, and I've been told anybody. It's not. There's no condemnation and all that. We're not picking on anybody. What I'm telling you is, is how to how to get off the meds. How to get off the meds. I'm, I'm very sensitive and keenly aware of the fact that people are falling off in the body of Christ. They're losing it. People are losing it. Losing it. Losing it. 
told you, that's why this fellowship is so important. That's why the devil wants to keep people home. That's why the first thing you did was tell people to isolate. He knows when you isolate, right? Proverbs 18.1, you intermeddle with all wisdom. In other words, you're stuck in your own head. You, I mean, the devil's living rent-free inside your brain. The devil just living rent-free. There's no, and there's an eviction moratorium in your brain. You can't even kick him out when you get by yourself. But we got to be together. We, gotta, we have to be together. God didn't design the body of Christ to be separated. Because as a child of God, you are on Satan's hit list. He already got, has the world. You're on his hit list. Thank you, Jesus. Man isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. You start not to rationalize. You start not to be able to reason. Start making decisions based on your own flesh. So don't isolate yourself. I gotta be together. Tell your neighbor, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's family. Let's pray. Father, I ask you today to search through this place and every heart that's heavy, every heart that's heavy, every heart that's loaded down with weight and pressure, I pray that, Father, you would, you would lift every hung down head your word says you are our shield, you are our glory, and the lifter of our heads. Today I'm asking you to lift the heads and lift the hearts of those who have been weighed down with depression. Maybe they haven't told anybody about it. Smiling, laughing, maybe even singing in public. But their own hearts, they're in a battle. Their minds are in a battle. Hadn't really told anybody. But Father, you know. We can't hide anything from you. Father, Lord, I ask that today that through the word of God, you have shown people a little bit of what must be done to, to get us out of depression, to get ourselves out from under the oppression of the enemy. How to, how to put you on the throne of our hearts and start pouring out love that we will not be lovers of ourselves, but we'll be lovers of all those around us, that we will esteem others more highly than ourselves, that we'll, we'll bear somebody else's burden. We'll cast all of our burdens on you, and we'll begin to bear somebody else's burden. That God will begin to be those who, who reach out and help somebody, reach out and touch somebody. We used to say, Lord, make this world a better place. So God, we ask that God, you lead us and guide us. Be strength to that person who's weak right now. Build up that one who's torn down today. And I pray, Father, that every person will be lifted in this place. 
even those who are on medications right now. God, let there be no condemnation at all. That's, not a, that's never your intent to condemn anybody, but to show us your glorious light, to show us how to get off of that and how to come out. And I pray that, Father, that person, those individuals here, those that are even watching, who are in that soul battle, will know that victory comes through Jesus Christ. And that God will go back to and really intentionally, really intentionally and intensely keep our minds set on you. For you said, Lord, we should be, we should set our affections on things above, not on things of this earth. And you said, if we keep our minds stayed on you, you will keep us in perfect peace. Today, I declare perfect peace for my brothers and my sisters. All of these are sons and daughters. We speak peace to every household in their hearts, minds. I even pray for our youth, our children, our teenagers today. Father, that they, they so many times, Lord, we know that even the highest rate of suicide is teenagers all across the America. Teenagers are taking their own lives. And they haven't even run into real life yet. It's the work of the enemy. God, shield them today. And strengthen them and show them that you are the way. Let your light shine in their lives. It's our prayer. We believe that we receive it, and it's done now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand of praise today if you receive that word. Hallelujah.